0: Woe to you who would scandalize one of my little ones. Better that a millstone should be tied around your neck and thrown into the depths of the ocean than you should scandalize one of these. And that's exactly what these people are doing. They're trading in human flesh and the people that are doing it are literally tying that millstone around their neck and they will find themselves one day in the deepest depths of hell.
1: Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report here. Thanks so much for coming on back to the show. That was Michael Hitchborn. We heard from Michael just one month ago about the corruption and the demonic energy coming from the Vatican. Well, he's the president of Lepanto Institute and he hits the nail on the head again with the truth about Pizzagate, Pedogate, and the American Ponzi scheme. Thanks so much for tuning in, friends. Don't miss this one. Spread it far and wide. Before we start, just a quick word about our sponsor. If you're trying to navigate market turbulence, why not set your course to Noble Gold Investments? With global uncertainty looming, your savings and retirement plan is under siege. But there's one asset that has stood the test of time, and that's gold. Unlock peace of mind that comes with owning gold, the ultimate safe haven. And if precious metals are new to you, Noble Gold Investments will hold your hand through the entire process. They have a team of experts who will guide you every step of the way thousands of investors have sheltered their retirement savings with noble gold investments now always do your own due diligence and there's no investment guarantee of any type with any investment but with gold at an all-time high and looking to climb much further this may be the perfect time open a noble gold investments ira and secure your future with a free 3-ounce Silver American Virtue Coin. Act now before it's too late. Call 877-646-5347 and claim your free silver coin before it's gone. Or just visit noblegoldinvestments.com right now. It's the gold company I trust. The link is below. Hey, friends, welcome back. Thank you so very, very much for finding us once again. It's Sean from SGTreport.com. dot com. And guys, got to tell you, back on December 6th, I did a incredible interview. At least I thought it was incredible because my guest is incredible. It was called Satan, the Pope and the Vatican with the one that only Michael Hitchborn. He's the president of Lepanto Institute. And at the conclusion of that interview, after we wrapped, I asked if I could get Michael back on in about a month because I enjoyed that conversation so much. And Michael's back right now with an update about the fact that the leadership of the Catholic Church has strayed from biblical teachings, and not only that, they have funded their enemies with $100,000 in tithes to a group that literally prays to demons and has altars to Satan. So would it surprise you at all, dear friends, that the Vatican's Doctrine Chief, the number two man at the Vatican, wrote a pornographic book in 1998? Guys, you just can't make this up. In our fallen world, Michael Hichborn, welcome back. How are you, sir?
0: Thanks so much for having me back on. It's a pleasure.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to have you. As I noted before we hit record, I want to do a topical news update with you today, because in our fallen world, the tyranny just keeps on coming. But let's show your website here, because one of the updates you had when I asked you was that very fact that the second in command over at the Vatican wrote a pornographic and blasphemous book back in 1998. So the hits keep coming from the Vatican, don't they, Michael?
0: They absolutely do. And, and you know, so Tucho Fernandez, the, his full name is, is um, Cardinal Victor Fernandez. He is the prefect for the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith. And uh, what that means is that he's supposed to be the one who interprets, explains, and answers questions pertaining to the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of the faith. And recently he, he uh, caused a huge dust up within the church uh, just before Christmas because he issued a statement saying that um, there would be certain circumstances in which same-sex couples could receive a blessing from a priest. And uh, he outlined what those circumstances are. But the problem is that he he tried to make the distinction between blessing a couple and blessing the nature of their union as if the two could be separated. But they can't be because if you're in a relationship and you're pre, pre, you know, presenting yourselves as a couple, the natural thing is that you are a couple in a relationship asking for a blessing. You can't separate what you're blessing. So he tries to make that distinction. And he also tries to make a distinction between what a priest is blessing in accordance with liturgical norms. In other words, if he's a priest with wearing priestly garb and, and sitting in, a, in front of an altar and all that, and the nature of a priest giving a blessing. So he tries to make a distinction there, which can't be made. It's not, there. there is no theological understanding that would allow for a separation of that nature. But, he tries to carve that out with this document and it caused a huge uproar. In fact, just recently Cardinal, um, uh, Robert Sarah, uh, who is a very prominent Cardinal from Africa came right out and said that what he proposed in his document was heresy. He's, he came right out and said that it was heresy. Um, so now we've got this number two guy. He's been charged with heresy by another Cardinal of the Catholic church, and yesterday, uh, a bunch of journalists all over the world received copies of this book, which he Fernandez tried to make disappear. He tried desperately to make this book disappear, Uh, but somebody got a hold of it and they they photocopied it and they sent copies to a bunch of journalists everywhere. We got a copy, and in this article that you were just showing, we analyzed the book and showed that what he did is systematically go through and try and claim that the uh, ecstatic experiences of certain saints in the church were somehow tantamount to sexual orgasmic experiences. And, and then he even goes so far as to try and claim that in experiencing orgasm that uh, a couple is experiencing God or or there's a uh, a reflection or a mirror of that. And, and it's a disgusting, debased uh, approach to theology. That is not only impossible, it's blasphemous and sacrilegious. So the number two guy in the in the entire Catholic Church, the guy who's in charge of interpreting scripture or or interpreting doctrine uh, somehow believes that there is a sexual nature to our relationship with God. And it's sick, it's blasphemous, and and he's got to go.
1: You know, God gave us sexual relations between a man and a woman to bring other human beings into the world, to bring our progeny into the world. It's a gift. It's a sacred Mm -hmm. gift from God between a man and a woman, and it brings life into the world. And that's why the union, a marriage between a man and a woman is something precious. It's sacred. It's literally a gift from God. And the miracle of birth, it's unbelievably special, isn't it? And this fallen world attempts to destroy that union every single day. They cheapen it. Pornography is destroying that sacred union between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife every single day and young people are falling prey to it and it's all by design. I think it's part of this Zionist plot to destroy our society. I got to tell you.
0: It's a satanic and diabolical plot because what at the end of the day what we're talking about is a spiritual understanding of the of human sexuality that is contrary to what God established. Uh if you enter into pornea, the the idea that you use sex for the experience of sex. And that's all that it is. uh, You have destroyed the nature that God created himself and the purpose for which he created it, which, as you rightly pointed out, is the begetting of children. He said in the very beginning, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, But, you know, what Cardinal Fernandez says in his, in his book and, and the way he leads people down this dark path is to try and make he adds a lot of theologically sounding arguments and statements and and references to Saints and that kind of thing but he's using cherry-picked lines to draw a path that goes away from what the church actually teaches and towards an ideology that is is rooted in a based understanding of sexuality and it's sick
1: well it seems like the whole Catholic Church is rapidly moving toward the secular. Right. They're welcoming in the LGBTQ folks. They're welcoming in the anti-human movement. And uh it just reminds me of Archbishop Vagano's letter of warning to President Trump about the children of darkness. So mm-hmm. let me ask you about Pope Francis and the current Vatican. Do you think this will be the last Pope? And do you agree with Archbishop Vagano about the children of darkness uh having taken control of the Vatican and our world?
0: Uh the children of darkness have definitely, I mean, that's that's just uh that is observably uh factual you can't argue with that it's it's what we call a uh a self-evident truth um so yeah absolutely the children of darkness have taken over the world they've taken over the vatican um with regard to pope francis do i think he'll be the last pope maybe um i don't know what's really around that corner and Uh, The fact of the matter is, and a lot of people say, well, you know, he's he's stacked the deck with the College of Cardinals and he's made it impossible for us to ever have a faithful or orthodox cardinal ever again. And my response is. You really can't see around that corner, you don't know what what God is going to do, and it's it reminds me of the priests of Baal, if if you know uh, that story from Scripture where Elijah goes and he challenges the priests of Baal and he says, why don't we just build two altars? You guys build one to Baal and I'll build one to God. And uh, whoever gets their fire lit from from their God, uh, that's the true God. So the priests of Baal are sitting there. They, they build up this, this big pile of sticks and they've got everything laid out and they start chanting and praying and crying and singing and whatever. And uh, Elijah starts mocking them says, yes, please build it as high as you can. Oh, yes, dance higher or, or dance harder and cut yourselves deeper and, and bleed yourselves uh, much more, you know, because obviously you're, not, you're just not doing it well enough. And uh, he just mocks them and mocks them until finally he turns, he offers a single prayer and God sends a fireball that not only lights the fire, but annihilates the entire thing. And this is, After he had had water dumped all over the sticks and dumped into a moat around this uh, entire altar to show that there was no possibility it could ever be lit by human hands. And I think the same thing would be true for the Vatican and and the Catholic Church, that at some point God is allowing the children of darkness to believe that they have the upper hand and they've got all of the uh, all the cards. But there will be a fire from above. It will annihilate that pile of sticks. Oh, and by the way, afterward, uh, Elijah ordered the slaughter of all the priests of Baal. And that could very well happen as well.
1: That reminds me of uh, the Ceausescu's in uh, Romania. These things can turn on a dime. Let me show you a screen share. And then I want to get into the current news uh, because the people who serve the children of darkness, they seem unable to be stopped, but that's only because their tyranny has reached new levels and new heights, which is serving to wake up humanity. Now, get this. I just got this from Google, and I don't even have AdSense. I don't have Google Ads anymore. They kicked me off their platform, but for some reason, I still get their emails. You ready for this? Introducing a new sensitive events policy. Sensitive events. Hmm, what could that be? Think false flag. Dear ad manager partner. On February 9th, 2024, Google will introduce a new sensitive events policy per the Google ad manager partner guidelines. These policies are applicable to Google ad manager partners, et cetera, et cetera. A sensitive event is an unforeseen event or development that creates significant risk to Google's ability to provide high quality, relevant information and ground truth and reduce insensitive or exploitative content in prominent and monetized features. During a sensitive event, we may take a variety of actions to address these risks. All right. I could read between the lines. Sensitive events. Well, that could be a false flag. That could be a big terror event. It could be a cyber polygon-like event. It could be an EMP weapon going off. It could be any number of different things, the internet going down. It could be a an assassination attempt on a beloved politician. Who knows what a sensitive event could be? But again, it's Google and the powers that ought not be flexing their muscle against what they call disinformation and misinformation. And they're really starting to lose control so rapidly that this is now how they're behaving. These people that serve the children of darkness. All right, guys, I got to show you this Canadian real journalist David Menzies from Rebel News. Well, he was arrested. For daring to ask globalist criminal Christina Freeland a question. Now, watch what they claim he did. You tell me if you see anything here worthy of arrest.
2: Ms. Freeland, how come the IRDC is not a terrorist group?
1: Why is your government supporting Islam on What?
2: You've been misused. What are you doing? You're under arrest hey, for assault. Sir, are you pushing you oh, oh, oh. You're under arrest You're for assault. You? You're under arrest I for need assault. What are you Police? About?
0: Police! You're
1: under arrest. How am I under arrest? You bumped into me. You pushed into you me. You bumped. Note the Nazi right there on the left. The Castro Trudeau-employed Nazi. The Gestapo. He's being arrested for assault. You know what? I didn't see any assault there, Michael. Did you see any assault? The only assault I saw was by the guy claiming that the reporter committed assault.
0: No. In fact, if you watch that slowed down just a little bit, what you'll see is that the uh, the the Gestapo guy you were mentioning uh, intercepted him. He stepped in the way deliberately, which caused him to bump into him. And that's what he called assault. So, no, that, you know, in, in a court of law, they'll look at that and they'll say this is entrapment. It's also
1: abuse of power. It is literally Gestapo tactics. But that's what you see in a fallen world, in a fallen republic. Of course, we're talking about the parliamentary government of Canada, where the hand of the queen, Justin Castro Trudeau, is just that. He didn't pledge his allegiance to the people of Canada. When he was sworn in, he pledged his allegiance to the queen and her privy council. So I think this is all serving to wake people up in droves. And my question to you is, have they gone too far? I mean, the Great Awakening versus the Great Reset, I think they've gone too far. They've gone all in on the Great Reset, but they're only serving to wake people up more and more, and in droves. And sooner or later, we hit a tipping point, and these people lose.
0: Well, there's, a, uh, there's an old adage that uh, all things accelerate towards their end. Um, and I think what we're seeing is an acceleration towards the end. Uh, P- the, the dividing lines are becoming much more stark. People are finding themselves on one side or the other, and there are no middle grounds anymore. That middle ground is getting more and more narrow with each and every day, especially as they employ greater and greater strong arm tactics to try and put the thumb on people who are just simply trying to live their lives without being molested by government policies. Uh, and um, because of that, there, is, there that's really kind of the end, in, end, end of it all is just that they're finding themselves on one side or the other. There's no, there's no middle ground. And because of that, that's, that's, uh, I wouldn't call it necessarily a great awakening. It's just, Hey, people are going to be divided. Now the question is, what are we going to do about it? Um, they have the power, but we have fortitude and they don't, you know, you, you approach these guys and if you expose them for what they are, they felt they fold like a house of cards. They always do because they're cowards at the heart, but, uh, how it'll play out, that's anybody's guess, but I, I, I think that the lines are definitely being divided. Well, you sparked a thought,
1: and uh, it's this. People like Brett Weinstein, who was recently on Tucker Carlson, have come to the conclusion that this is actually a good thing because it has forced the dream team to come together. What is the dream team? It is we, the people, coming together and really learned people who were the victims of this tyranny, people like Dr. James Thorpe, who lost his job, people like Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, the legions of people that were abused during the lockdowns, well, it's forced them to pick a side. And here's what Brett has to say about that.
2: Everybody responds to their personal well-being. If everybody says that's too dangerous to stand up, Um, you know, I'm not suicidal, I, I can't do it, then not enough people stand up to change the course of history. Whereas if people somehow put aside the obvious danger to their ability to earn and maybe to their lives of saying what needs to be said, then we greatly outnumber those we are pitted against. They are ferociously powerful. But I would also point out this interesting error. So I call the force that were up against Goliath, just so I, I remember what the battle is. Goliath made a terrible mistake, and it made it most egregiously during COVID, which is, it took all of the competent people, took all of the courageous people, and it shoved them out of the institutions where they were hanging on. And it created... In so doing, the dream team created every player you could possibly want on your team to fight some historic battle against a terrible evil. All of those people are now at least somewhat awake. They've now been picked on by the same enemy. And yeah, all right, we're outgunned. It has a tremendous amount of power, but, but we've got all of the people who know how to think. So I hate to say it, or maybe I like to say it, but I don't think it's a slam dunk, but I like our odds.
1: Definitely not a slam dunk, but I like our odds too, man. And he's right. There's so many people that either they were on the fence or they didn't even know there was a problem, but they woke up right quick when they realized they could no longer inform their patients about the bioweapons dangers and they lost their jobs. Boy, it's woken up a lot of people, hasn't it, Michael?
0: Absolutely. I, I, you know, uh, I'm reminded of the book of Esther where, um, the story is that uh, King Azarius had sent out a decree at the insistence of um, one of his top advisors that they should just go ahead and slaughter all of the Jews in all of uh, Babylon, uh, Babylonia. And it was a horrible decree. It was a terrible, terrible thing. And what King Azarius didn't realize was that his wife, Esther, was actually Jewish. And he... um, he put out this decree, didn't think much of it. It was it was set for a particular date that on that date, uh, if you had quarrel with your neighbor, you could go ahead and kill him and, and take his stuff. And that would be the, that would be the end of it. The king's advisor did this because he had a particular hatred for a Jew named Mordecai, who was Esther's uncle. And he he was irritated by the fact that Mordecai refused to bow his head to Uh, the, the, this advisor. So over the course of several days of prayer, what wound up happening is that Esther uh, approached the King and then revealed to him the plot that took place at the insistence of Mordecai, that she herself would be subject to that. She would be killed because she also is Jewish and the King was furious. He flew into a rage Well, Mordecai not realizing that she was herself Jewish threw himself at her feet, knocked her over, and when the king came back, saw him seeming to assault her, uh, and he ordered that he be hung on the gallows that he himself had created. Uh, what, What else is interesting is that at the end of the story, the king could not rescind a decree. If there was a decree, then it can't be taken back. So they went to the law and they went to examine the law to find something that would happen uh, that that they could do to overturn this terrible thing. And what they discovered in the law was that they could issue a second decree related to the first. And in that second decree, uh, King Azarius stated that the Jews have every right to fight back. And that's what they did. There was a huge battle. And I think that that because that battle ended with uh, the Jews being victorious, you know, they, they survived. Uh, many of them died, but there was a survival. There were many more of them than there were those who were willing to fight them. And that is, I think, exactly what you're talking about in this scenario where what we are going to see is kind of an apocalyptic event where everything is going to come to a head, but we have to put our faith in God, just as they said in the Mac or, or as Judah Maccabeus said in the Maccabees are, our. our Our strength doesn't come from numbers, but it comes from God alone. Victory in battle is obtained by God. So we have to turn to him in faith and we have to act in faith. And as a result of that, he'll bring about a victory, but we're going to have to put the blood, sweat and tears into the battle. That's what our institute is all about. That's why I named it after the Battle of Lepanto, which is this massive battle that took place between Muslims and and Catholics as the Muslims were preparing to invade Europe. And it was through deep prayer. I mean, the Christians, they were they were outnumbered, they were outgunned, they were outmanned, they they had inferior ships in the battle. But a favorable wind came just before the battle that gave us the upper hand. And we won not just a decisive victory, but a total victory. And that's it, it again, I think that it shows. Uh, It gives us an example of hope as to what it means that we're up against and how to fight it and what the result will be. We will always be victorious in Christ. That's always a given. It's just a matter of when and how.
1: You know, the other thing, though, too, is that I really appreciate Brett Weinstein's mention of David versus Goliath. Yeah. Because Goliath, in this case, and I want to show you guys something a clip from the Jay Leno show that can only be fully understood now several decades later, through the lens of information that we now have that we didn't have then. So when I think of Goliath in this new world order, you know, I think of the money printing machines. Believe me, we're going to get there in this conversation too. But I think of Joe Biden, the puppet who reports to the children of darkness, and now 85,000 immigrant children have gone missing because of the open border. And they've either been trafficked into the slave trade or the sex slave trade. Additionally, another Goliath, Epstein, the Mossad, Little St. James, Bill Clinton on the Lolita Express, Bill Clinton, a former president on the Lolita Express, probably blackmailed by the Mossad. So that's Goliath. Let me show you something, guys. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Well, maybe that explains this clip. This is John F. Kennedy Jr. on the Jay Leno show so many years ago saying something that now is so abundantly clear, but people just thought it was funny when he said it. This is about Monica Lewinsky and a poem she wrote as a child. Do you all remember who Monica Lewinsky was? The blue dress, Clinton in the White House? Listen to this. We happen to have someone who sent us um, Monica Lewinsky's poem that she wrote in ninth grade. Actually, not in the ninth grade, when she was a nine-year-old. And I, I know I'm going to rot in hell eternally for this, but... But I, can I maybe just give Bring it a some, sample? Yeah, give it a sample. Okay. Um, it was written, uh, the, the poem is a poignant rumination on how, quote, I can be a delicious lunch, dinner, or breakfast, if you're weird. She goes on to describe herself, quote, as a round and flat piece of dough with lots of topping. I am a mouse's best friend. I make you say yum yum. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how kids know at a young age what they're gonna do with them. You know, let me come back to you, Michael. you followed the Pizzagate, Pedogate investigations, Epstein Island? I don't know if you followed what was going on allegedly at Comet Ping Pong, which oh, yeah. somehow resulted in James Alephantis being named by GQ magazine as the 49th most powerful man in Washington, D.C. He's not a senator. He's not a congressman, not even a politician. We're told he's a pizza shop owner, but he was the 49th most powerful. I mean, come on. So. Pizzagate is real. Pedagate is real. And there's no more proof needed other than 85,000 immigrant children have now vanished. They vanished into the hands with the assistance of the HHS and the Biden administration. They vanished into the hands of traffickers and now they're gone. Pizzagate and PedoGate is real. And only through the lens of time, only with the benefit of time, can we understand what uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. was really trying to tell us there.
0: Oh, without doubt. I mean, it's, it's hard to say whether she was just speaking, um, you know, as, as a child would, or if she was speaking because there was some sort of correlation in her mind that was already being pre-programmed because of what we now know about pizza gate, and all that kind of stuff. The, the correlations of various foods with, um, various, uh, <laughs> uh sexual proclivities, shall we say?
1: Hey friends. Apologies for the quick break and a word from our sponsor. Have you ever known a time when everything has been in this much chaos? The markets are all over the place and nobody's quite sure what to do. What are you doing to make sure your money is safe? Precious metals, gold and silver have seen us through wars, depressions and natural disasters for thousands of years. Now, always do your own diligence as there is no guarantee in any investment of any kind, but gold and silver might just be the answer right now open a noble gold investments ira today and claim your free three ounce silver american virtue coin yes free call 877-646-5347 right now and safeguard your financial future against market volatility that's noblegoldinvestments.com the link is below
0: Uh, sexual proclivities shall
1: we say known terms by the fbi that pedophiles use Yep. coded language when they're talking about doing bad things to kids, hot dogs, pizza, this is all part of the known language. And those were some of the key words found in those Podesta and Clinton emails yep. that were given to WikiLeaks by Seth Rich, who then they whacked as you well know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. No. So that's, um, it's been a long time since I looked at the PedoGate, PizzaGate pizza gate stuff. So I, I'm going by memory, but uh, I, I remember being very disturbed by what I was hearing and, I mean, let's let's face it. What's going on at the border currently? You mentioned the immigration uh, crisis and and how it's related to pedophilia. Uh, there is human trafficking taking place at the border, and we know that for a fact. And I I also happen to know, because my contacts tell me who are actually down at the border, that, yes, Catholic Charities is heavily involved in the, quote unquote, relocation of a lot of these individuals. And they are known traffickers, human traffickers, drug traffickers. Um, and, and they're, they're known gang members, but Catholic charities seems not to care, uh, and, and seems to just be happy to receive federal funding to do its bidding in, in helping to engage in this, in the trade of human flesh.
1: It's also deeply disturbing, you know, because what does the Bible say about a person who had hurt a child and beyond that, what does the Bible say about a culture that refuses to defend children. Michael, maybe you can field that question for us because evidently the U.S. government is knee-deep in child sex trafficking and there are whistleblowers from the HHS saying just that. They know what's going on and they don't care. In fact, they're facilitating the trafficking of children.
0: Woe to you uh, who would scandalize one of my little ones. Better that a millstone should be tied around your neck and thrown into the depths of the ocean then you should scandalize one of these. And that's exactly what these people are doing. They're trading in human flesh. Uh, and in that act, they are they're, they're destroying the innocence of children. And with the destruction of innocence of, in children, what they are doing is causing grave and in many cases irreparable scandal uh, to them. And the people that are doing it are literally tying that millstone around their neck and they will find themselves one day in the deepest depths of hell.
1: That's right. By destroying children, they are, whether they know it or not, they are destroying themselves. Full stop. Okay. There's no way around it, folks. They're destroying themselves. So one way or the other justice will be served, but I think it's going to be in this lifetime. So check this out. yeah. Yeah. Check this out. So, I retweeted this to Tyler Winklevoss, one of these big Bitcoin guys who, along with his brother, his twin brother, owns Gemini, the crypto platform. Well, Andrew Torba, the CEO of Gab, got an email out of the blue from these people yesterday saying they're shutting down his Gemini platform, his ability to buy Bitcoin, et cetera, because, well, they can't say, but because of security reasons. So then today I saw that Andrew Torba tweeted this out, the child rape assembly line, citing a rabbi who was 63 years old who admitted child rape assembly line among sects of fundamentalist Jews. And so I had to reply, I had to tweet that out. No wonder Tyler Winklevoss banned you from his horrible crypto platform, Gemini. Andrew, you're just too truthy for fascists. But let me scroll down. How about this? The Jewish Shabbat movement, which dug tunnels in New York City, holding a tiny soiled mattress in a high chair has been linked to child sex abuse. So evidently this man admits to diddling children and doing things to children as young as five that shouldn't be done to a five-year-old girl. And so I wanted to play this video down below because this was breaking last night as you and I are having this conversation and it's really, really crazy. There are tunnels below this synagogue in New York city. Evidently the headquarters of, is it Shabbat? Am I getting that right? Shabbat, At any, yeah. Tunnels below. And uh, one wonders what they were doing down in those tunnels.
0: Yeah. I remember last night, I, I saw the same videos and I sent them to a friend of mine from New York and I said, what the hell is going on here? Um, I, I didn't have any context. All I saw was that they had discovered these tunnels and that they had discovered mattresses. Uh, I didn't realize that there was also an allegation regarding child trafficking, but it makes sense.
1: I'll just play a little bit of this because it's just really stunning. I don't know what's going on down there, but look, you know, the same thing happened with Comet Ping Pong. Let me sound this down and I'll just play some of this. But uh, the same thing happened with Comet Ping Pong when the allegations were being made because of those WikiLeaks emails exposing John Podesta as a potential pedophile, which, by the way, Andrew Breitbart rightly tweeted about in 2012 before he was murdered. Progressive guru John Podesta is a world-class sex op sex slave op cover upper defending unspeakable dregs andrew breitbart wrote that in 2012 before we even knew about comet ping pong but the same thing with comet ping pong it was alleged that nefarious things were going on at Comet Ping Pong. And we know about bands like Sex Stains. We know that there was inappropriate, at the very least, things happening there at Comet Ping Pong. But then it was all covered up by the mainstream horror media. I remember Megyn Kelly bringing James Alephantis on for the most soft-pedaled, ridiculous interview I've ever seen. And it was no hard-hitting questions about his pizza shop or him being the 49th most powerful man in D.C. How does that make sense? It was about how do you feel how does it feel to be targeted by these conspiracy theorists, James? And that went on for like 20 minutes, half hour. It's a complete joke, Michael. So again, through the lens of time, we're starting to see the truth.
0: Conspiracy theory is a phrase that was invented by the CIA to uh, discredit those who questioned the the Warren Commission report on the JFK assassination. Uh, it's been a weaponized term that has been used to discredit anybody who questions the common narrative ever since. Uh, If you look at, say, oh, I don't know, building seven of the World Trade Center, and and you say, that building went straight down and nothing hit it. That doesn't make sense to me. You say that and suddenly you're a conspiracy theorist, uh, because how dare you question the narrative? Um, If you say, huh, I saw news reports showing them pulling explosive devices out of the edward murrah building uh in kansas city and after that we saw nothing about the explosive devices by the way i saw the news reports i saw them carrying the devices out as the reporter was saying me too you know but after that nope it was a car bomb and it, it it was set outside the building uh and that's all there was really I mean, so you question that and suddenly, what? once again, you're a conspiracy theorist. You mentioned Pizzagate. You mentioned Podesta. You show his, his creepy statues, the headless uh, dead body statue that he has in his house or the horrible, demented uh, child torture paintings that he's got in his house. You mention those. You're a conspiracy theorist. So it's, um, it's all par for the course. But after a while a weaponized term like that loses its flavor as proof comes forward and shows that the people who were questioning things from the beginning were right.
1: Yeah, well, you're right. And you mention the artwork and that headless torso art. That's John's brother, Big Podesta, Tony. Podesta. Right. And I really admire Breitbart because, and if I can find it, I'll play a clip. Andrew Breitbart famously saying do you want to go to war? Because we'll go to war. And he mentions Big Podesta. That's Tony Podesta. So you have John Podesta embedded in Democrat government after government after government, including this current one. And then his brother, his big brother, Tony, boy, did that guy have a penchant for pedophilic art. But it's all coming to light. Everything in the darkness shall be brought to light. And here's that tweet from Andrew Torba, just got banned from Gemini, which I've been using for years to buy Bitcoin. And here's the letter. Get that. This is so crazy to me. So these Winklevoss twins who've been trying so hard to get a Bitcoin ETF, and now they're having their lunch handed to them by BlackRock and Van Eck and these others that are going to beat them to the punch. They send Andrew Torba a letter that says, due to a recent account review, Gemini has determined your account must be closed. Although we understand you have questions as to the reasons, Gemini is unable to disclose any further details the risk review process is confidential and Gemini will not be able to elaborate any further. Are you kidding me? That sounds like communist Russia. That sounds like communist China. Mm -hmm. What in the world is going on here, Michael? You gotta be kidding me. My new thing is boycott Gemini. Anybody who gives any crap about crypto, you want to buy some Bitcoin, don't do it through Gemini because they'll treat your account just like YouTube treated mine.
0: Sure. It's, it's all control because the commun what the communists do, they always control choke points. They don't need to control an entire government because they, uh, if they control the choke points, then they've already got control of the government without having to put their name on it. Um, if they control the, the, the institutions that transfer money, well, then they have control of the money. They don't have to have the uh, the the bank accounts they don't have to have your bank account they just have to be able to control the transfer of funds uh if they want to control the message they don't need to have one single media outlet they just have to have control of the institution that allows those outlets a chance to or, or a platform to report from so if it's a cable network or if it's um uh, an internet platform well uh all you have to do is control that platform and then all of the media outlets have to fall in line. Uh, If you want to hire or control the hiring and firing practices at various institutions, you just control the HR department. You don't have to control the boss boss doesn't hire and fire people, not in giant corporations. Uh, So HR is what you have to control. And that's how, that's how the communists work. And until we understand and really grasp that the communists are only about controlling choke points, because that's, that's the, The strategy by which they capture everything, it's like Stalin said, um, I don't need to control the votes. I just need to control who counts the votes.
1: Mm -hmm. And Mayor Amschild Rothschild, who says, I don't care who controls a nation. I care who controls the nation's currency. And that's we, the Rothschilds. The tyrannical tiptoe into the abyss is just accelerating at a rate that uh, really shocks me. But I think that's what happens when you hit $34 trillion in debt and the uh, National Debt Service now exceeds the DOD budget. And as Robert Breedlove wrote in his book, corrupt money corrupts everything. So I want to play one more soundbite for you in the audience. And I really want to talk about where we're headed with the corruption of our money in society. Let me show you this clip. I say this is Bidenomics at work, but she hasn't figured that out quite yet. Listen to this.
0: I cannot stand how the news has been dogging Gen Z and calling them lazy for not wanting to work a 9 to 5 for the rest of their lives. Let me put it in perspective for everybody who's a little confused here, okay? I work five days out of the week, 40 hours a week, okay? I do not make enough to live on my own. I would not make enough to pay rent, water, electric, and eat all by myself. I would not be capable of doing that. 20 years ago when you were getting started, you could live on your own. 20 years ago when you first started, you were able to do everything that I am now struggling to do. Let me add another perspective here. You've been working for 20 years. You have 20 years of working experience behind your belt. You have 20 years of experience in a career that has allowed you to gain raises, to get more money, to profit you in an economy that you created
1: her ire and her anger. I'm coming back to you. Michael should be pointed directly at the federal reserve. Yeah. The Rothschild family, the central banks, the Morgans, JP Morgan, the Rockefellers and Bidenomics. So we got to help her see the big picture.
0: Right. Well, I think, I think what her real ire is directed towards is the realization that she's at the bottom end of a Ponzi scheme. Uh, and, and, uh, Most people don't understand this, but the entire economic structure of the United States and globalist economics is a Ponzi scheme whereby they collect the most money at the most powerful positions at the top. And everybody at the bottom is the support base, the entire support structure that feeds into that. And they get just a pittance in order to maintain and grease the skids for the mechanism that continues to propagate, uh, whatever the industry is, whether it's, uh, the car manufacturing industry or the, the pharmaceutical industry or, 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 um, even big, uh, big builders, you know, you've got your, uh, contractors that are building roads or building buildings or whatever it is, the people at the lowest level, they're the ones who do the hardest work. And uh, look, there's, there's a, um, a lot of times the socialists will point this out too. And it sounds like a socialist complaint, but the real complaint is that there is a Ponzi scheme that is both economically driven. It is industrially driven and it is financially driven or government driven, uh, based on the tax structure as well. So people at the lowest level rarely ever break into the next or the the second or third highest level because the system doesn't allow them to um and it's there's a lot that goes into understanding that that economic system but it's it's all about controlling the the uh well it's about controlling how the currency works i I mean if she's making say $15 an hour, that's what twice what it was 20 years ago, 25 years ago. That's still not enough because inflation alone has devalued the currency to the point there. $15 an hour isn't going to cut what $7 an hour did 25 years ago. Um, and then of course the tax structure is still, still what it was and it hasn't really changed the, uh, the ratios haven't changed the uh the levels haven't changed a whole lot so those remain the same while the currency is devalued while jobs are devalued while uh jobs now are by and large being overtaken by automation so even entry level positions in in many industries are no longer there uh yeah she has a valid complaint but she doesn't understand exactly why it works the way that it does so it's um Helping her to understand that's going to take a lot, but it's there's there's a lot to it. Yeah. And most people
1: don't speak the language. I don't know if she understands that the Federal Reserve is private, yeah. that they have been given and they gave themselves the right to print the money out of thin air at a 6% debt payment directly back to the Federal Reserve on every new Federal Reserve note issued going all the way back to 1913. And the other thing that uh, I really empathize with her about is the asset inflation, The median sales price of an existing home back in 1995, 96 was around a hundred grand. Yep. Now, what is it? 380 grand, 400 grand? I don't know. So yeah, she has no hope of ownership, home ownership under the current doctrine. And that's the problem because look, what really, really is starting to tick people off and uh, what people are starting to understand is taxation is theft inflation is theft. And when they debase your money, they are stealing from you and your progeny. They're stealing from future generations. And frankly, Robert Breedlove, who I mentioned, I should find the tweet. I don't have it in front of me. So I'll sort of paraphrase, but uh, something like the trillions and trillions that they printed on the co- under the COVID lockdowns stole like a hundred million hours of labor from future mm-hmm. generations. So it literally is a Ponzi scheme and the looting is being done in the wide open, but it's starting to wake up a lot of people and it's making a lot of people angry. I think that's partially a good thing because angry people tend to do research. They tend to dig. They start to ask questions. But at the same time, you don't want a total collapse with a country filled with really angry people, Michael. That's what scares me.
0: There's another element to the inflation that a lot of people don't think about either. And that's the fraction reserve banking that... Fraction reserve banking is another form of inflation that doesn't get counted in what the government considers the national debt, Uh, because what what the national debt is about is going to the Federal Reserve and saying we need to print X number of dollars. They're not actually printing money. They do in many cases, but it's not they're not saying we need ten $10 $10 billion or $100 billion or a uh, $1 trillion dollars of printed currency. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is we need you to make available in the form of credit this amount of money. Print, yes, print a bunch of it, but we don't need it actually printed. We just need it accounted for. That's just what they ask the Federal Reserve for. But each and every single individual bank only holds 10% of whatever is deposited in that bank. They loan out the rest. So when you have on your ledger sheet, let's say that you've got ten thousand dollars in your bank account, and on your ledger sh- sheet it says ten thousand dollars. Well, they take that ten thousand dollars. They say, okay, you're accounted for ten thousand dollars. Then they remove nine thousand of it and loan it to somebody else. Now you have nine thousand dollars in existence that didn't exist before because your ledger sheet still says ten thousand dollars. And that other person's walking around with $9,000 in their pocket to spend elsewhere. And if they were to deposit that in their bank account, well, then $8,000 of that $9,000 gets removed and they're able to then loan out the $8,000. You see how this works? And it, it builds on itself to such a degree that you couldn't possibly count the cost of inflation due to this fraction reserve banking that goes on top of what we have in the national debt.
1: Yeah, that's a lucid point. We're going to be talking about the DTCC with my friend Bix Weir in a broadcast coming up this week because they are actually the owners of all stocks and people really need to wake up right quick. I wanted to ask you one last question. I'll show you this. Then I'm going to show your website and ask that final question. This is from my buddy, uh, Dr. William Mackis, who I've had on the show. New article. Australia is building world's largest sudden cardiac arrest registry to solve the mystery of COVID-19 mRNA vaccine, sudden cardiac deaths. And now we hear that Pfizer has bought a company for some, I think it was $43 billion. The company doesn't have any successful products, but a promising product for turbo cancer. And what is happening all over the world now, since the rollout of the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine? Well, cardiac arrests, sudden deaths, turbo cancers all over the planet, which leads me back to your excellent website, a great source for truth, guys, Lepanto Institute, Lepantoin.org. Here's what I wanted to ask you. And it plays into what we were just talking about, what I just showed, the importance of a good death. You do a podcast over here. I recommend that people check out Let's talk a little bit about the importance of good death, because here's what really troubles me so, so deeply. And I've shared this just a little bit, but somebody close to our family who was important to our family and would have been even more important in the future. I can't get into why, but a really good man died suddenly in his sleep at age 64 about five weeks ago, six weeks ago completely unexpectedly. And he died suddenly at age 64 in the dream home he just built and he was divorced. So he died alone in that home. And it breaks my heart because that is not a good death. And I want to note for the audience that he was vaccinated. I don't know how many boosters he got, but he certainly got the first round of the Pfizer shot. And now he's dead. He died suddenly and it breaks my heart because to me, that's not a good death, Michael. Can you just describe a little bit about that podcast, the importance of a good death? Because I think people are being robbed yeah. And they're being murdered. They're being robbed of a good death and they're being murdered by Pfizer. And when you murder somebody, you take away their right to repent. You take yep. away their right to say goodbye to their loved ones. You take away everything they had. And it really is starting to piss me off down to my very soul.
0: No, rightly so. And the, the best example of a good death really is the death of St. Joseph, uh, the foster father of Jesus. When um, it's about three years before our Lord's public ministry is when it's estimated that St. Joseph died. We don't know how he died. We only have a tradition, which says that he died in the presence of our Lord and our lady. And that that is the example of a good death because who in our, in in, in this life wouldn't want to die in the presence of his savior. Because if you, Fulton Sheen used to say, if souls are not saved, then nothing is saved. And the only purpose of this life is salvation. We're only here for a very short period of time. You blink and it's gone. But eternity in heaven or hell is a very long time. And even if you spend millions and millions and billions of years in hell, it hasn't even yet started. And that's a horrible, terrible thing to think about. And as you pointed out, if you don't have that moment, that time to repent, that thought that, my God, I love you, save my soul. If you don't have that moment, if you don't have that opportunity, then that murderer has robbed you of your right of repentance. Now, it also means that we should be living our lives as well as we possibly can so that we're not caught in a moment. So we should be living a life of repentance, a life of love toward God, toward our neighbor. but until we get to that final moment, everything we do should be a preparation for it. It's said that the uh, the pagans of the world look towards life and back into death. whereas Christians look towards death and back into life. Mm-hmm. and we as Christians looking at that cross and looking at the death of our Lord, reflect our lives on that cross and then we say i can now live because in him i can die and that's what it means to die a good death
1: god bless you man now, it just really breaks my heart because that man was a maverick and that man died alone at 4 30 well we don't know what time but he died alone in the middle of the night i say 4 30 because actually another friend of the family just had a massive heart attack at 4 30 in the morning so now that's two people both Mm -hmm. vaccinated in the past six weeks, one of whom died. The other one critical condition looks like she's going to make it, but God, it just breaks my heart as people are dying suddenly all over the world. And these people that serve the children of darkness are covering it all up. And, you know, I tweeted about this the other day, one last comment, and then uh, we'll hear what you have to say about this. I pray to God it happens, but when will the televised trials, the tribunals for Albert Borla and Pfizer begin? And I would add to the mix, Joe Biden and his open borders. (laughs) Maybe and it's Fauci thinking. Is it wishful? Yeah. Fauci. It's wishful thinking though, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, it'll, if it happens, it happens. I mean, it happened in 1945 and 46. Um, why not now? So I think that we can, we can look forward to it. We should work for it. Um, if it happens, then praise be to God. If it doesn't, well, then justice will be done in God's own time anyway.
1: Yeah. All right. We're going to share your website one last time. Check out the podcast. You want to learn about real climate change? Well, you can listen to that one too and read all about the blasphemous book from the second in charge over at the Vatican. Unbelievable. What a great resource for truth. Thanks for all you do, Michael. We really appreciate you, your voice, and thanks for uh, defending the faith in our fallen world. We appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on and for helping me to share the message.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure. I will leave a link to your website below. Guys, Check it out. Click on it. Listen to the podcast. Support Lepanto Institute. Our guest is Ben, the president of Lepanto Institute, Michael Hichborn. All right. Until next time, Michael, thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Friends, thanks so much for being here and thanks for tuning in. And again, thanks for supporting us over at sgtreport.com every single day. That is the antidote to corporate propaganda and all of the lies coming from the mainstream mockingbird media and the children of darkness to whom they report. God bless you and yours. Bye-bye.
2: We can see that with the Alex Jones thing. If he would not say the word Zionism, he is not saying that word as a mouthpiece for whoever he truly represents. I want to believe he is
0: uh, he, hes uh, on the side of good, just like I want to believe Elon Musk in some respect is as well. But it's really hard when there's a clear example of him not saying one word, which is the word that we should all be talking about. Not about Jews, about Zionists that want to rule over us and depopulate us. We're the carbon
2: they want to reduce.